to make a rich, smooth cold brew. Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite, because Tim Hortons tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning in to episode 43 of the Michiana People podcast. In this episode, I talked to Sam Ludwig. He is Director of Juvenile Services for Elkhart County. We talked about the Juvenile Detention Alternatives Initiative. That's hard to say. Juvenile Detention Alternatives Initiative, or JDAI for short. This is a great initiative and a wonderful conversation. I won't give you any spoilers, but Sam is doing some great work. Sam invites you to contact him for more info on JDI, JDAI. His email is sludwig, that's S-L-U-D-W-I-G, at elkhartcounty.com. You can also follow him on Twitter, that's Sam, L-U-D-J-D-A-I, so Sam Lud J-D-A-I. Just a wonderful conversation. Sam is a cool guy, a young guy, a millennial, and yet here he is doing great work and trying to keep kids from repeating some of the bad mistakes that they've made. I hope everyone has a great week regardless of what you celebrate or you don't celebrate. I'm very thankful for the people I've met in the process of producing the podcast. I've been fortunate to get a peek into the eyes of artists, musicians, community activists, politicians, business owners, and all the other folks who are making a difference in our community. I've taken a bit of wisdom out of each interview and made some true friends along the way. I appreciate everyone who has taken the time to talk to me and everyone who is listening. Thank you very much. So on that note, I was at the Drop Comedy Club on Friday last week to see Michael Palisak, who's hilarious, by the way. I had the opportunity to talk to Jason Staples. He's a great local comic, and he suggested that he record the ads portion of the intro for me to mix up a little bit. And it really does need mixed up a little bit because I can't even listen to it myself. So Jason actually recorded the ads part and put a little plug for a comedian coming up in January, Shane Moss, uh, a big, big show for the drop, sent that over to me. So directly after this, you'll hear the ads portion, but you will hear it in a much better voice than mine. And much more articulate, by the way. I really liked it. Make sure to get over to the drop and see a show. It's fantastic. I think they're off the next couple weeks for Christmas, but it's when they come back, make sure to check them out. Also, listen to Jason's podcast. It's called Weird Awesome, 
and that's a local podcast. You can find that on iTunes or any of your podcast apps. Just type in Weird Awesome, and it's a fantastic podcast. I really like it. Also, follow the Drop Comedy Club on Twitter. Just type in Drop Comedy Club, and you'll find that on Twitter. You can also follow Jason on Twitter. That's Jason Staples. That's Jason the way you'd normally spell it, and S-T-A-P-L-E. L-S. There's no E. So Jason, S-T-A-P-L-S. Here's the ads portion read by somebody other than me. Hello, I'll be playing the part of Scott, the host of this wonderful podcast for the next few minutes. Mapletronics is a sponsor and I work there. How long could your business operate if you could no longer use your software or connect to the internet? How much of your business data could you afford to lose? What level of productivity do you need to maintain and stay profitable? If you'd like to talk to me about your computer network and where you stand, you can call me at 574-537-5838 or send me an email at scurtis at mapletronics.com. There's no charge for my consultation or network evaluation. Give it a shot. If you're a business owner or in business development, you might have noticed how much harder it is becoming to get people's attention. As technology improves, the ability for consumers to choose when, where, and how they are exposed to a business's advertising or message improves too. Vala Marketing takes an interactive approach to getting and keeping attention using things like great social media, mobile-friendly websites and applications, search engine optimization, and original content creation. Vala can manage your entire digital marketing efforts on a monthly basis. If you're having trouble keeping up, would like to grow, or just need to figure out how to get people in the door to your website, Vala Marketing would like to speak with you. Give them a call at 574-606-6696 to set up a free consultation or a free audit of your digital marketing efforts. One more thing I should mention, my favorite place on earth is the Drop Comedy Club in South Bend, Indiana. We are now selling tickets for a special one-night-only show on January 26th at 8 p.m. with comedian Shane Moss. He's currently on a tour for his live show called A Good Trip. You might have heard Shane on a podcast like WTF Podcast with Mark Marin, Doug Loves Movies Podcast with Doug Benson, or You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. Or maybe you've seen him on Conan or Jimmy Kimmel or Netflix or Comedy Central. Shane Moss says this about his show A Good Trip. It's an hour and a half that is part stand-up, part funny stories of experiences, and part TED Talk. I will take us on a funny journey through the stigma, history, laws, and science of psychedelics. I will share personal experiences and talk about the effects of hallucinogens like mushrooms, LSD, and DMT. My hope is that I'm helping to both destigmatize and demystify psychedelics in a fun way. I am an advocate for psychedelic studies and rights. I'm no way encouraging everyone to do them. They aren't for everybody. They just happen to be for me. That all sounds great to me, and if it sounds good to you, you can visit us, The Drop Comedy Club, at thedropcomedyclub.com to get your tickets. The tickets are $10 if you buy them in advance, and they're $15 the day of the show. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you there. Thanks for coming in, Sam. Thank you. What little research I've done on you, I see you work for the Elkhart County Justice Department. In the juvenile area? Yeah, yeah, there's probably not a lot out there about me. Yeah. Uh, so my title is Director of Juvenile Services, okay. which means that I'm in charge of um, 
I'm in charge of the juvenile community corrections, uh-huh. which right now the only service under juvenile community corrections is uh, ankle monitor, electronic monitor. Okay. So any kid that is placed on that, I'm responsible for those kids. But okay. probably the bigger uh, part of my job is I'm responsible co- for coordinating the juvenile detention alternatives initiative. Okay. Um, which JDAI for short. Okay. Um, and what that is in a nutshell is uh, it's basically a uh, juvenile justice system improvement okay. effort uh, initiative. It's it's well, it's it's so hard to explain. Uh-huh. In just a real quick way to what it is, but it's uh, essentially it's a, a philosophy. It's a way of doing business. Okay. Um, the some of the core uh, parts of JDAI are collaboration, mm-hmm. um, uh, data driven decision making. Okay. Um, we focus on special detention cases, kids that are placed in detention for uh, probation violations, warrants, things like that. But mm-hmm. the focus, the the over overwhelming focus, is to put the right kids in juvenile detention. The okay. right kids being the kids that are a, a danger to. Uh, the community mm-hmm. and uh, a risk to fail to appear to court. Okay. Um, because of research, a lot of research, and um, I can even uh, quote a couple of articles that uh, your listeners can um, look up. Uh, the dangers of detention mm-hmm. uh, would be a good one. Okay. But there's a lot of research that suggests that when uh, a kid, as soon as they walk through the doors of detention, um, you're doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you're starting them down a path. You're starting them down a path. Mm-hmm. Your uh, your goal is to uh, recidivate them in the juvenile justice mm-hmm. system, or not recidivate them, but to, to rehabilitate them. Okay. Rather, <laughs> not to recidivate them, uh, <laughs> to rehabilitate them. Um, and when you place a kid that's not a uh, a true danger to the community mm-hmm. um, or a, a true risk to fail to appear to court, mm-hmm. um, you're increasing the likelihood that that kid is going to get in trouble in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get in trouble as an adult and right. uh, just the, the cycle continues. So right. what we're trying to do and what we're working very hard in Elkhart County to do is come up with community alternatives because, mm-hmm. um, like so many things in government, um, it, the community does things, uh, that their outcomes tend to be a little bit better for a mm-hmm. lot of different reasons. And, uh, not because of uh, any lack of intelligence or mm-hmm. um, dedication or anything on the part of the folks that are involved in mm-hmm. government, just because it just seems to be the way the way it works. It's bureaucracy uh, across the board. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's not just criminal justice. I think yeah. it's about everything. Right. <laughs> unfortunately, yep. but yep. <laughs> I think that's a, a bigger discussion. Right. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, what folks uh around the country that that are doing jdai are finding is that kids that are diverted when they get arrested or mm-hmm. um, when they're diverted from being placed in the juvenile detention center uh, to a community alternative whether okay. that be um, electronic monitoring or whatever is available in your community there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a whole slew of different things i mean and, and really the sky's the limit you can kind of whatever your community needs mm-hmm. uh, you can come up with the outcomes for those kids tends to be significantly better right um so it's sort of in a nutshell that's that's what we're trying to do mm-hmm. it's much more difficult than that yeah <laughs> i would say you probably make some pretty pretty heart-wrenching decisions uh you know my my role in in jdai mm-hmm. is really coordinating uh the effort and mm-hmm. really getting 
the folks to the table that need to be to mm-hmm. the table to discuss these things right. and uh, maybe leading the discussion. And, um, you know, I, I chair a lot of uh, committees and subcommittees and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I make a lot of contacts and, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also uh, like a, a catalyst. I'm an agent of change. Uh-huh. So I'm therefore uh, <laughs> almost universally loathed, you uh-huh. know, uh, but uh, kind of in a good way. Like, like that's, right. that's my job. Right. The job is to to go to whomever it may be, whether it's um, wherever the data is t- pointing at. Right. And saying, hey, th- we have this thing that it looks like we could do better. Mm-hmm. So let's let's find a way to do it better. Right. Um, that doesn't really that doesn't doesn't come out that nice most of the time. Most of the time, right. the way that people hear that is, um, I've, I'm doing something wrong. Exactly. Uh, and, and, yeah. uh, you know, you, what do I, what do you right. know? You know what I mean? You right. can't go to a, a police officer or a probation officer or a judge or, right. you know, something like that. If you're not a police officer, probation officer or a judge and say, Hey, this is, this is my right. idea for something that we should do different than what you're doing. Right. And not expect to get, exactly. <laughs> um, this, I, I know where you're coming from. I, I'm reading a book right now called The Eight Dimensions of Leadership. And mm-hmm. uh, the, um, the, the thing that, that strikes me the most is basically this puts people in the four different personality char- characteristics. And really three of the four are resistant to change. Yeah. Only, and only one of them drives change. Um, that's the high D, which is me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and, um, the other ones are, you know, a different percentage resistant for anywhere from 50 to a hundred percent resistant. So take that times the population. Okay. So yeah. three quarters of the population are probably pretty resistant to change. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and, right. and when you're working within within uh, the the confines of government, you know you've got you've got all these other boxes you got to check off in the meantime. Yeah. So, yeah. so as far as statistics go, um, do you have any idea what statistics are if somebody is inside a juvenile detention facility? Um, what the statistics are that they're going to come back or they're going to be coming back as an adult? So I. I don't have those off the top of my head. I know there there's several studies mm-hmm. that uh, I probably should have brushed up on before That's coming okay. here. But That's I, okay. Um, I I imagine it's a pretty big number. It's yeah, it's pretty yeah. significant. And yeah. you know, even if it wasn't, even if it was minuscule, mm-hmm. um, th- that would still mean that there was room for improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's. Um, something that we could still still do, but the mm-hmm. numbers are pretty right. Pretty. Uh, overwhelming and, and it's not in Elkhart County anyway well um it's not necessarily due to a, a lack of uh what's that people really care about what they're doing they're mm-hmm. really dedicated people I work right. with some of the greatest people in the world mm-hmm. um but it's just sort of the the way that the system is right now that there's sometimes there's just no other options mm-hmm. we're finding a lot of mental health uh uh kids ending up in the justice side mm-hmm. of the system when it would be really probably they'd be better off or would have been better off if earlier on in their uh their path they were diverted into a mental health right uh resource of some kind uh-huh. might not have escalated to where it is but um across the country you're seeing that right i mean 
jails and juvenile facilities being mm. used for to hold mental health related uh, right. kids. Right. Yeah. So I I looked at uh, I, I was looking at your experience on LinkedIn and you you seem to have been pretty much dedicated to helping kids yeah. right from the get go. Except for Menards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that seems to be mm-hmm. the direction you've taken. What what prompted you to go that direction? Oh, man. I, my path to where I am right now, I, I it, it's been uh, amazing. Just I, mm-hmm. I, I've, inexplicable. I have no idea how I got here, but uh-huh. I'm so glad that I did. Uh-huh. So, as you mentioned, I was working at Menards. Yeah. Really good place to work, by the way. Yeah. Really, really great place. I really enjoyed myself there yeah. and really got a lot of confidence. Like, I, uh-huh. I fixed stuff in my house. I fixed my furnace. There you I, go. You know, I got that confidence when I, from working mm-hmm. there. But, um, so uh, after high school, I decided I wanted to be a doctor. Uh-huh. And so I, I went to Southwestern Michigan College and got my associate's degree in science or mm-hmm. biology or something, something, right. something along those lines. And mm-hmm. went to IUSB and did a year or two, uh, hit or miss, more science, pre-med mm-hmm. type stuff. Then I decided I, I didn't want to didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to be a probation officer. Uh-huh. And uh, about that time, my first child was going to be born, and mm-hmm. I happened across a, um, uh, a job um, posting for mm-hmm. the juvenile detention center. Just by chance, I don't, I don't think I was looking to change jobs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Happened across that. I filled it out, not expecting anything. Got a call like the next day, and I was working there. I started training there shortly thereafter, and mm-hmm. um, it was wonderful working uh-huh. there. It was really much different than what most people would think. I think if the, your average person's perception of what a juvenile detention center is is probably uh, something like what you might see on Prison Break. Yeah. Right? Those shows, you know. <laughs> um, but it, at least in Elkhart County, it, it's not that way. Right. Um, the, the staff are not correctional officers mm-hmm. in, in, you know, in that type of a sense. Their, their main job is to keep the kids safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the programming and, and things that they do uh, focus on personal accountability mm-hmm. and um, you know, you have to, you have to earn privileges, mm. and, you know, things like that. And there's self-reflection and there's groups and it's just, there's a ping pong table. Uh-huh. That's probably my favorite part. Yeah. Of I play ping pong. <laughs> I'm pretty good by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I fell in love with that job and I, I learned, I got to know the kids. Mm-hmm. That was, that's really what probably sparked my, uh, my fire, my desire for wanting to, to do uh, juvenile justice mm-hmm. work was because I got to know the kids and what I learned really pretty quickly was that the only difference between me as a kid and the kids that were in there is that I didn't get caught when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and I think if most <laughs> I, of us I, were being, I can second that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think if most people were honest with themselves, yeah. um, they could probably say something similar and I'm right. not going to get into details cause I don't know about statute of limitations, on right, things, right. but I mean, uh, <laughs> you, you know, at least, most people have done minor things. Right. You went TP to house. Technically, that's a crime. Right. You know? Right. Um, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And, well, these kids are just kids. Yeah. They're just kids. They made a bad choice, mm-hmm. admittedly, and they got caught. Right. Um, and when you can look at these kids like that, like they're not this other, uh, this other creature, this other type of human. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just kids. Right. Uh, it really changes things. Right. Um, and so I. I moved up at the detention center and mm-hmm. um, working directly with the kids 
although I loved it, the, that was probably not my strong point. If you mm. talk to the folks at the detention center, they probably second that. I, was, I liked it, but, yeah. they, you know, it, it, some people just have a really good gift in working right. with kids. Mm. But I was, I was probably better at um, more of like the creating new forms to yeah. make the job easier. Uh, and, um, but I had a passion mm-hmm. really for, for getting, making things better. And then Elkhart County started doing this thing called JDAI. Mm. And we had a new director of the detention center and she invited me to, to come with her to some of these meetings. Mm. And I went to uh JDAI 101 training in Indianapolis. And, mm. uh, that's when I drank the Kool-Aid officially. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, because there was this thing, this this vehicle to change, literally change the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, change my community at the very least. Mm-hmm. And I can do that. I can be a part of that. Right. And so I started going to all of the JDAI meetings, mm-hmm. you know, whether I was paid or not. Right. You know, I was, I was going because I was invested. I wanted to be right. a part of that because I have kids. I've got a, 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 I think at that point I only had one kid, but I, mm-hmm. I have two now. Right. And we live in Elkhart and we're going to live in Elkhart probably the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, if I can play even a small role in, in making things better for them, mm-hmm. I'm in, man. I want I want yeah. to do that. So that's great. You were exposed to that as a young man. I yeah. mean, just yeah. having that light bulb go off and know exactly what you want to do. That's great. Yeah. And so shortly after that, um, the previous JDAI coordinator left, and mm. um, one day I got a call from the judge, and she asked me if I'd like to do, be this JDAI coordinator. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, that's what I've been doing for a couple of years. And yeah. Last year um, I went from having the title of JDAI coordinator. That's all I was responsible for, mm-hmm. for about a year, year and a half, something like that to director of juvenile services. And the only difference was that we decided that community corrections um, Elkhart County Community Corrections should be split into adult and juvenile mm. so that the f- the focus can be separate. They're separate grants or separate everything. Right. Now. And I think it's um, it's better that way all around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, that's yeah, that's kind of how I got where I am. And I, like I said, if you had asked me it, even uh, a couple of years ago when I was working at the detention center, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be the, doing this work that you're doing and going <laughs> Um, to Indianapolis and meeting these people and implementing these things and mm-hmm. never would have believed it. Yeah. I never would have believed it. But, um, man, I, I, I'm so blessed. Yeah. I, I feel unbelievably blessed to be doing what I'm doing. And I yeah. just want to, I want to pay that forward somehow. Mm-hmm. I, it, right. So that's great. Do you have any, um, in the time that you've been, been doing it, do you have any hard data or stories that, that kind of uh, back up what you've been doing? So we've seen, since we started JDAI, what we mm-hmm. did is we, we took the, the data for uh, several s- certain points, uh, data points in the year prior. That's our baseline year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we compare that every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we've seen since that baseline year is that we've detained approximately half as many kids in juvenile detention. Mm. Um, but because really, in, in a really all honesty, the number one goal of JDAI is, is community safety. It's a, mm. it's a, it's often labeled as like a jailbreak or, a, you know, <laughs> I've heard it uh, referred to as a hug a thug type okay. of thing. You know, it is so not that it's a, <laughs> it's a community safety, yeah. uh, first. Uh, right. 
So it, to make sure that we're not adversely, adversely mm-hmm. impacting community safety, we track some of those numbers. And one of, one of the data points that we've been able to, to track really well is the uh, felony petitions filed by the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. So if felony petitions filed by the prosecutor go up, uh, that, it, that one way of looking at that would be that there's more felonies being committed mm-hmm. um, by juveniles. That's actually gone down in that time period where we've detained okay. about half as many. That's so great. even if it had uh, plateaued, it hadn't changed at all, that would still be a good indicator that we're at least not adversely impacting mm-hmm. community safety. So um, that's just one of, of many data points. Mm-hmm. We're, Isn't data great? It is difficult. <laughs> it is really, really it really hard. is. Uh, but I got to be honest, I'm one of probably one of those very few people that I, I, I love a, an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love myself I, a spreadsheet. I yeah. do. Uh, I can really, I can really get into the yeah. data. I love that stuff. Yeah. I, I like to see the output. I, I don't like doing the input so much. No, but I, no. I, I like to see the output. Yeah. 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 It's the hardest part for me in terms of data is, uh, verifying and, and doing the data quality checks and mm-hmm. just making sure that the input, wherever it's coming from, because that's another hard part about working in government and in specifically in where I'm at in juvenile justice, a lot of the data that we're getting is coming from all these different agencies, you know, mm-hmm. prosecutor's office or um, detention or probation or wherever we're getting it. And everybody's not doing it in a uniform kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you got to, you get the, the raw data and you have to yeah. analyze it and, and clean it up and right. make it. So, yeah. yeah, that's cool. So let's, let's paint a picture of what happened before JDA, JDAI. Um, so you've got a, a juvenile offender. Um, they have their hearing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who made the decision whether to, put them in juvenile detention or house arrest or community service or whatever. How did that happen? Was that just the judge? Yeah. And it, after, once it gets to the, the court, mm-hmm. then it's going to be the judge making the decision. Okay. Um, but prior to that, say that when, um, when, when a kid is arrested and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the police would call the detention center mm-hmm. um, and a, a lot of jurisdictions is, this is different sometimes they some places they just uh, take them to a certain location drop mm-hmm. them off it's it's different everywhere and that's another thing that we're mm-hmm. trying to sort of uniformly uh, make uniform in indiana but mm-hmm. um in elkhart they would call the detention center and there is a tool that we use um prior to jdai they called it the uh i don't know screening form or something like okay. that it was basically basically it went through um certain things and it came out with a score okay um and if the score was above a certain number the kid went to detention if okay. it was below a certain number they stayed home okay um, at that time those were the options okay now what we've done is we've changed that screening form um, to make it as objective as possible. Okay. Um, taking out some things that, that could be, excuse me, could be subjective. Okay. Um, so that no matter who is completing that form, mm-hmm. um, with the same information, everybody's going to be filling it out the same. So it's objective. It's fair, uh, to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there's a, they score below a certain number, they're released home. They're mm-hmm. still given a court date. They're still going to come to court. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's in a middle range, they're released with uh, with some sort of condition. Uh, and they're going to be seen in court in, uh, I think, within 48 hours. Okay. 
Uh, so, so that's, a quick that's another thing. Yeah, yeah, quick turnaround there. But the other condition might be um, home detention, twenty-four hour adult supervision, electronic monitor if mm-hmm. they're if they're high enough um, in terms of risk level, mm-hmm. um, and then above a certain number, it's the same thing. They're they're going to be held in detention. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but once after that point, um, then it's going to go through, uh, the court process, uh, through the judge and, and, and magistrate Dominey and Elkhart is the one who's can, is one who makes those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, another, another thing that is just in my, my brain right now that, that is sort of related to that whole mm-hmm. process that I'm, has been a really, uh, a big, item in the community in fact mm-hmm. there's we've even gotten a a, a, a grant uh with oaklawn and um, the systems of care mm-hmm. uh these are all there's so many uh acronyms and justice isn't crazy, there but, oh man it's so <laughs> terrible uh but uh we recently got a, a grant from uh and another acronym samsa s-a-m-s-h-a uh-huh. i've heard of that yeah 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 um but this grant part Part of this grant is about that initial, uh, that initial point of contact, mm-hmm. um, and making, adding, adding some things to that, that point, that, that contact point, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to, a, a we call that second, uh, that screening form, mm-hmm. um, to check for, um, assess mental health stuff that's going on, assess mm-hmm. substance abuse, assess just, we want more information right out of the, right out of the gate so that the best decision is being made mm-hmm. both initially. And when they go to court first, the judge has all the information. Whereas now, um, she's not, not able to get all of that information mm-hmm. uh, until kind of further on down the road. And right. so, um, I think that's part of the problem with the kids with mental health issues that we're seeing mm-hmm. sort of a large influx of that, that, right. um, they, they get involved in justice system. They get kind of too deep before it's really, you know, there's been an assessment done or right. uh, and they've been interviewed by, um, the psychologist mm-hmm. uh, to really dig into that. Um, they get too deep, so that there's not really a good, easy way out of the right, system, you know? Right. Um, so my hope is that in the coming months and, and year that uh, we, we really take a really good look at that. Mm-hmm. That intake is what we call that portion of it. Right. Um, find some better ways to address the kids' needs. What's mm-hmm. going on? Um, you know, the big one of the big differences in the ju- – between the adult and juvenile system, um, is that the juvenile system was in its, in its creation was meant to be a, a, a rehabilitative, uh, type of a system as mm-hmm. opposed to the adult system, which uh, is more of a, a punitive type right. of a, a system. Not the adults. I don't know as much about the adult system as I mm-hmm. do the juvenile. So I'm, I don't want to say that they don't rehabilitate as they do, but I mean, you're not going to see very many, uh, 20 year sentences in, in the juvenile system, you're going to see a lot right. of, um, you know, work with this counselor and, and work with these things. And, um, it, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a tough, um, l- line to walk on because you need to, in the juvenile system, the, we want to focus on helping the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also need to make sure they're held accountable and certainly can't forget the victim. I don't know if you've been a victim mm-hmm. of a crime before. I have. Yeah. It sucks. It yeah. sucks. I mean, my, it was just my car getting broken into, but I, Same. I remember uh, <laughs> being 
it was when I worked at Menards actually. Uh-huh. Uh, but I remember going home to my wife and, and sitting on the kitchen floor and like just feeling so violated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that needs to be addressed too. Right. Um, that's hard. That's right. hard to do all of those things. It really know? is. The yeah. E- the easiest option would be to just, let's just detain everybody. Let's just put them all in jail. That'd be the easiest option. Right. But that would have by far the worst outcomes, uh, both short-term and long-term. Right. Especially right. long-term. Yeah. The re- re- repercussions are immense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's really interesting. Um, I want I wanted to get off topic a little bit. You're sure. you're you're raising two kids. How old are your kids now? Three and five, soon to be four and six. They've okay, December and January birthdays. Yeah. What based on? I mean, you've seen a lot. Uh, how how do you feel about raising kids in the atmosphere that the United States has right now? Yeah, boy, that's. The- that's a. Big <laughs> I know that's question. deep. Yeah, that's deep. Yeah. The reason why I say is because my wife and I. Uh, Every time, every time we, we, you know, I told you, I, I, my kids are both, one's nine hours south and the other one's nine hours east. And it, it, it bugs me, but I'm glad that they're, you know, they're professionals and they're doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things we talk about is, man, I'm glad we're not raising them now. Yeah. We thought it was tough in the nineties and now it, it seems to have gotten exponentially tougher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, with them at the ages that they're at right mm-hmm. now, it's, I don't think it's been, I don't think we're to that point where we're going to have to start, uh, we're per- close, but we're not to that yeah. point where some of the issues I think you're, you're, you're talking about, um, have really come up yet. Yeah. Um, but your hair will be a little bit more gray when you start. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> like mine. Oh man. I just, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I have mm-hmm. no idea yeah. how we're going to, uh, address some of some of those issues but i know uh one of the 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 elements of jdai that Mm. that they talk about a lot in the conferences and on some of the literature is this my child rule Mm -hmm. and i in in the basic idea of that is in the decisions that you make either Mm. as a collaborative in, in the justice system or uh personally in whatever position you're in um in the justice system um what would what would you if that were your child that was going to be affected by that? Mm-hmm. Um, what decision would you make? Because mm-hmm. that's the decision you should be making. Yeah, is, um, it's tough putting yourself in that position. It is, but if you really extrapolate that to um, kind of all the things that you do in life, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that that was the intention of bringing that up in in, in, in the conferences and whatnot, uh-huh. but I've I've extrapolated that. I've tried to anyway mm-hmm. to to everything in my life. Um, it it changes everything it changes mm-hmm. the way you think about about doing everything yeah. and um really i i don't know i yeah. i just want to i want to do the best i can and as a mm-hmm. parent i've made peace with the fact that i'm never gonna feel like i know what i'm doing <laughs> i've made peace with that because <laughs> yeah that never comes it, it, there's i've heard from too many people that yeah. it just it doesn't you never feel like you really know what yeah. you're doing um, yeah uh, but i just do the best i can and yeah I, Boy, I just I love the heck out of them, and, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's the main thing, really. And and I, I I had a discussion with one of my guests. It was early on, and he was um, a teacher in the South Bend schools. Now he's a principal in Benton Harbor schools, and and he was a little bit more closer to my age. He's he's younger, but he's within ten years. And um, 
I asked him uh, if he thought kids were any different today than they were back when he was a kid. And he said, no, he said, the kids aren't different. He said, the, the atmosphere is different mm -hmm. and they are reacting to the different stimuli that sure. the, 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 the offered to them now. And, um, I think the fact that, you know, you love your kids to death, that, that just, that says it right there yeah. because a lot of the kids you see in the juvenile detention system, they don't have that. Right. And, and that's, that's really sad. And I've, I, I hate to pontificate, but uh -huh. I've actually got a theory about how things have progressed because, you know, I've watched this for 50, 50 years and, you know, it, it's gone from our, our priorities as a society have changed. And, you know, you went, you kind of had latchkey kids and, but they were okay. You still loved them and stuff like that. And, and everything was good. And then the priority started switching to more of what I, what can I get for myself now for me? Mm -hmm. And you kind of push a kid away a little bit mm -hmm. and, and they become second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. or third or fourth on your priority list. And it, it seems to be pushing that down. And I think because of years of it, and I want to say probably 40 years of it, um, th that I've noticed, I think there's a little change in, in the DNA. Mm -hmm. Um, sure. the, the, that, that instinctive love you have for your kid is somewhat diminished right from the beginning. Yeah. And, and, and that's sad. It's uh, that horribly sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, it, it's just a stupid theory I have, but I watch it. You know, I, I, you know, we, we've been in the same house for 24 years and, um, we went from when we moved in, there was a whole bunch of kids that were our kids ages and we watched them grow up and move out. And then there was no kids for a while. And now there's kids again. Uh -huh. I'm kind of, I'm just watching how things go because when our kids were outside, um, when they were little, we were always with them. Yeah. And now I see barefoot little three and four year olds running, running yeah. rampant on the streets. And, yeah. And I've never seen their parents. So, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a different mindset. And, yeah. and by the same token, when I grew up in the small town I grew up in, um, I, I pretty much ran rampant from the time I was six, but yeah. There were absolutely no dangers except for me falling in the creek and drowning or whatever, yeah, but yeah. that never happened. But it's just a weird, it, it just seems like a, a, a weird, um, uh, evolution of how the, that natural, and if you don't have it yourself, if, yeah. if it's been generations where the kids haven't had that love and haven't had that, guidance and those boundaries and and things like that then uh, how are they supposed to know it right they, they're they they have no point of reference right and so then they have kids and it yep. just gets worse as as it goes so that's yeah. my theory <laughs> yeah no yeah to to some degree i i agree with you 100 percent. i mm -hmm. think i think it's uh you know, different different cultures, different uh, socioeconomic groups. I mean, mm -hmm. you see that uh, rise and fall, and I'm sure there's studies out there. Yeah. But um, one, you know, another part of uh, some of the work that I do is helping um, helping everybody to really understand that there are different 
cultures and there's different, um, everybody's different. They're raised mm-hmm. a different way and, and, um, kind of things are, are different maybe now than they were when you or, uh, you know, John Q police yeah. officer, whoever, you know, grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't, you know, tr- taking the judgment out of that and, and right. really trying to, right. um, just do the, just do the right thing. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And we were talking, we were talking about, and I didn't tell you this when I was telling you about why I did the, the, the podcast. One of the things that has come from this is I talk to people that have all different kinds of upbringings, all different kinds of belief systems, mm-hmm. uh, you know, conservatives, liberals, just, yeah. just the whole gamut of everybody. And when you talk to somebody and, you have a conversation with them and you're trying to understand and you're looking them in the eye. It's a lot different than seeing articles and memes yes. and stuff like that. It's a, it's a lot different situation. And then you start, you find your own perception changing mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're seeing, seeing things through their eyes exactly. and gosh, you know, I never even thought of that. Yep. And, and um, it's, it's really neat. But it also makes life really difficult because yeah. I had I had a pretty much straight arrow view of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had everything figured out when I was in my forties, and yeah. now I'm in my fifties. I'm like, it's all wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it, because just because it's right for me, it's not right for everybody. So yep. yeah, that's 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 been a, a big eye opening thing. But it's very frustrating, and it, it also makes me read a lot more because you got you, you start talking to somebody about you know immigration or something like that and you know i had definite views on it now i'm like man yeah i i don't know anymore so i i guess if everybody did that then the i think the world would be a less tense place oh man uh, (laughs) oh boy would it yeah there's always more to the story there yeah always more to the story i i like you held a lot of very firm beliefs mm-hmm. in a lot of different things. Right. And, uh, you know, you just meet one person and you hear their story yeah. and that your whole world changes. Your oh, whole yeah. worldview changes on, yeah. you know, that subject that yeah. you guys talked about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would, I would definitely advocate, advocate for people to read as much as they can yeah. and, and really talk to people. Yeah. I think that yeah. better than anything. Yeah. Um, and that's that's one good thing you get to do in your job because you're listening to different opinions and you're listening to listening to different different viewpoints on things yeah. and and then you're also you know um, protecting protecting the welfare of your your city and your county along mm-hmm. with uh, along with the children. So yeah, that's, yeah. I think on a on a, on a personal level, mm-hmm. probably one of the coolest things about my job is that just the, the whole just variety of different people that I get to talk to. Yeah. Just amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, uh, I met, uh, Indiana Supreme court justice, uh, Stephen David. Uh-huh. Um, he's a huge JDA, JDAI advocate in Indiana. Uh-huh. And he was, he's been all at all the trainings, but, um, I actually, um, I had the pleasure of having lunch with him. Uh-huh. Um, and boy, what a, what an amazing guy he is. Yeah. He's just, you Man, and who who's an Indiana Supreme Court justice? You know, having having lunch with just a, a, a Joe Schmo, like yeah. Just, uh, but 
talking to guys. And then locally, there's there's people at the detention center that I happen to have just an immense amount of, of respect and mm-hmm. admiration for and, uh, and probation and um, especially in, in a lot of the communities, uh, uh, community organizations, uh, Center for Community Justice, kind mm-hmm. of Caseros is She's just just one of the best people uh-huh. I know. She's just awesome. I mean, right. She's fun to talk to and just has the best heart. And, uh-huh. um, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things on like yeah. a personal, selfish uh-huh. kind of a level. I, that's cool. And that's what really that's part of what I want to hopefully maybe highlight. And yeah. if I ever do jump into doing a podcast, right. and I, yeah, I I don't know if I will, but I really want to. Yeah, but yeah, it would you be, should. A similar type of a structure as uh-huh. this is sort of talking to just really amazing people that are doing amazing work right just specifically within juvenile yeah. justice well and you and i both talked we're podcast addicts mm-hmm. we listen to you know i i do about 20 percent music and about 80 percent podcast and i drive a lot so yeah. you just you, you learn so much and yeah. and it's funny because you listen it'll be in the background and you don't think you're soaking it up and then all of a sudden something will come on tv or you'll read an article that goes back to what you listen to and it, you find out you soaked up a little bit more than you thought you did so that's cool yeah so what do you do to blow off steam you've got a pretty high pressure job um what what hobbies what hobbies do you get into Uh, so i so jump i when i very first got hired as the jdai coordinator Mm -hmm. I had a vacation planned uh-huh. uh, with my family. And it would have been like literally the first two <laughs> weeks of when I would start. Yeah. So I, we had already bought tickets and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I, I emailed uh, the magistrate and asked her, is this going to be a problem if I yeah. do this? And she said something that I, I really stuck with me. And that's mm-hmm. that um, if you're going to be able to, if you want to help other people, you got to focus on your family first. So right. go on the vacation, basically, mm-hmm. you know, be yeah. good with your family. Um, and so most of probably 99% of my time outside of work is uh, that I just, I spend with my kids, mm-hmm. and my wife. Uh, she, she's a very dedicated teacher in Elkhart high school. Uh-huh. And so she's often, you know, at home grading papers and, uh-huh. and doing stuff like that. But as much time as I can spend with them, I, I yeah. just, I, this is something that my wife hates, but I tend to make extreme, um, oh man, I, I tend to go to some extremes to put things in perspective. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll, I'm always thinking if I, if I were to, to spontaneously combust tomorrow, uh-huh. or, you know, maybe more likely get hit by a car or yeah. something like that. <laughs> um, would I be happy with how I spent the day before? Uh-huh. You know, would I be happy with what I did? And, right. um, that, that lets me, makes it a lot easier to put down the phone and, and yeah. go play with the kids. You know? Yeah. But when I'm not playing with the kids, the, to your original question, yeah. I like woodworking. Okay. I'm horrible at it. Uh-huh. Everything I've built so, bar- so far has been terrible, um, <laughs> but I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's something I plan on on getting better at. Uh-huh. You know? um, and then something I want to get back into it as soon as possible is uh, photography. Oh, okay. I, I took... I took a couple of photography classes mm-hmm. at uh, uh, one at Southwestern, one at IUSB. Mm-hmm. Um, it was long enough ago where we, I was using a black room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got a lot to learn if I'm going to get back into it, but I just love, love yeah. photography. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe when the kids are 
old enough to where they don't want to spend time with me. That might mm-hmm. be something I get back yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. My son was into that. One of the guys I interviewed not too long ago yeah. was a photographer. And, yeah, I listened to that one today. he comes from an IT background, and, and it's funny. He, he's he's kind of like you. He's kind of blossoming. He's f- find, finding his way, and yeah. uh, he he's decided he wants to start a podcast now. So. Yeah, oh, that's great. So uh, if I kick off uh, if I kick off two people doing podcasts from, uh, from doing this, I'll feel like I did my job job so <laughs> i think you could say you did, you did good yeah well sam it's re- been really great talking to you and uh if you um if you ever come back if if you have any other revelations or anything like that you're certainly invited back to you know to talk about you you've been you've been uh doing it for two years you usually don't see the fruits of your labor for about five years yeah. or something like that so uh if you ever want to come back and talk about some some of the success stories you're certainly invited sure. back yeah oh boy i've got so many things i'd, I'd love to talk about yeah. there's yeah, just really quickly. There's a, a, a training that we do called "Policing the, the Teen Brain." Okay, um, and we provide that to police officers. We did uh, the first one where we uh, officers were trained okay. to be trainers. Mm-hmm. We did that a year ago, November. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea of this training is to uh, to, to help uh, police officers specifically, but it, it translates to uh, other mm-hmm. professions and um, other areas of the justice system. But it informs them about the teenage brain um <laughs> and how the uh the certain part of it in the the frontal cortex is it fully developed until you're about 25 right and that part is uh what's responsible for uh some of your impulse control exactly and, uh, yeah you know, some of those forward thinking yeah. consequences so that's li- 25 for guys but it's about 19 for girls <laughs> it's probably yeah. about right yeah and depending <laughs> on the guy you know maybe never yeah <laughs> uh, but just teaching some of those things and how to navigate around that around that and strategies yeah uh, and that is that's expanded into something called teaching the teen brain which mm-hmm. is sp- specifically for teachers and oh yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. i mean I, I could talk for hours on this stuff I, yeah we're, we're doing a lot of really cool stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah you're probably right there we won't really see the fruits of of our labor uh for a while so, yeah but. yeah you're you're young. You'll see. yeah. <laughs> You'll still be young when you see it. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thanks thanks for coming coming in, Sam. It was uh, really nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Yeah. Great news for a limited time. You can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.